Hi there, Matt Welch here. This is a Paloma Media twofer, a pre-write and a post-write for the Conservative Political Action Conference speech last week by the very controversial Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban. The pre-write was posted at Reason.com on August 3rd underneath the headline, U.S. Conservatives Set to Applaud Viktor Orban's Paranoid Anti-Americanism. The August 5th post-write was... Victor Orban flatters Republicans with a lie that progressive liberals and communists are, quote, the same. That was published on August 5th. I'm reading this to you here on August 8th. I've written about and, uh, and I have read to you, beautiful people, a couple of pieces in the past about Orban Victor, as they call him in the charmingly back, <laughs> backward uh, Magyar tongue. We'll throw up some links to those. Okay, you ready for some uh, racial controversy? European instability? Let's go to the first article. As ever, the original eyeballs version is thick with delicious goulash-style morsels of relevant hyperlinks. Fidye. Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, a pariah in Europe and darling on the American right, is set to deliver an address Thursday night titled How We Fight the Conservative Political Action Conference, or CPAC, in Dallas, Texas, two weeks after drawing international condemnation for a speech railing against the mixing of European and non-European peoples. Quote, Migration, which you could call population replacement or inundation, Orban said July 23rd in Transylvania, Romania, to an audience of ethnic Hungarians, has split the West in two. One half is a world where European and non-European peoples live together. These countries are no longer nations. They are nothing more than a conglomeration of peoples. I could also say that it is no longer the Western world, but the post-Western world. And around 2050, the laws of mathematics will lead to the final demographic shift. Cities in that part of the continent will see the proportion of residents of non-European origin rising to over 50% of the total. Europeans concerned about these demographics, Orban continued, quote, are willing to mix with one another, but we do not want to become peoples of mixed race. Today, the situation is that Islamic civilization, which is constantly moving towards Europe, has realized that the route through Hungary is an unsuitable one along which to send its people up into Europe. Now, the incursion's origins are not in the east, but in the south, from where they are occupying and flooding the west. The time will come when we have to somehow accept Christians coming to us from there and integrate them into our lives. End quote. I hope you got the gist of that last bit. He's saying that Christians in Western Europe will become religious refugees and head out to the post-commie lands to the east. Orban's remarks drew an unusual amount of criticism inside Hungary, where in April he had won a landslide election to a fourth term as prime minister. Hungarian chief rabbi Robert Froelich compared Orban's words to various onion-headed theories of race. The Federation of Hungarian Jewish Community said in a statement that the speech triggered serious concerns within the Jewish community. And Orban's longtime envoy for social inclusion, Zsuzsana Hegedus, wrote in a blistering resignation letter that his openly racist speech was a pure Nazi text worthy of Joseph Goebbels. Yikes. 
In American political discourse, the speech was quickly boiled down to the essence of white nationalism and lassoed around the neck of domestic conservatives. A hero of the Trump right shows his true colors, whites only, went to the headline on Dana Milbank's piece in the Washington Post. Predictable and predictably endless back and forths ensued between domestic Trump critics and indefatigable urbanologists. It's hard to say, that one. Uh, as I wrote a year ago, the pattern is eye-glazingly familiar by now in the age of Donald Trump. Politician does or says something provocative, an appalled political political class overreacts, the anti-anti-brigades man their battle stations, and around we go dumbly until the next controversy. Mostly lost in this hubbub, however, are two interlocking points of policy significance. Orban is stoking the possibility of dangerous instability on the European continent in ways that have very little to do with skin color. And he's doing so while promoting a paranoid anti-Americanism of the type that conservatives used to reject. Like many of his most incendiary orations, the prime minister's speech was delivered abroad in front of some of the more than two million ethnic Hungarians who live in the bordering states of Romania, Slovakia, Serbia, Ukraine, Austria, and Slovenia, in that order. Those Magyars were left stranded outside of Magyarosag after the 1920 Treaty of Trianon lopped off two-thirds of Greater Hungary's ahistorically swollen landmass after the end of World War I. For Hungarian nationalists, Orban's base, since uh, he engineered his party's decisive pivot away from liberal cosmopolitanism in the early 1990s, Trianon is the original sin, the crime perpetrated against the once proud Hungarian nation by a vindictive and possibly jealous world. Concern over Hungary's Trianon-fueled fantasies of restoring old maps is why NATO made as a precondition of its first post-Cold War expansion that prospective entrants first enshrine their existing borders in treaties, while also guaranteeing basic rights to national minorities. The single most destabilizing thing Orban has ever done has nothing to do with his controversial views on migration, or his kleptocratic corruption, or even his consolidation of power over Hungary's shrinking civil society. Rather, it's the law passed a decade ago, giving ethnic Hungarians abroad the right to Hungarian citizenship and therefore the vote, even if they were never born or never lived in Hungary. A century's worth of bloody European experience has demonstrated what can happen when a national bloc in a neighboring country is encouraged to pledge ultimate loyalty to a country not their own. Orban's closing paragraph in his Transylvanian speech is a festival of paranoid and potentially disruptive small country nationalism. Long quote. Hungary has ambition. Hungary has communal ambitions and indeed national ambitions. It has national ambitions and even European ambitions. This is why, in order to preserve our national ambitions, we must show solidarity in the difficult period ahead of us. The motherland must stand together. And Transylvania and the other areas in the Carpathian Basin inhabited by Hungarians must stand together. This ambition, dear friends, is what propels us, what drives us. It is our fuel. It is the notion that we have always given more to the world than we have received from it, that more has been taken from us than given to us, that we have submitted invoices that are still unpaid, that we are better, more industrious, and more talented than the position we now find ourselves in and the way in which we live, and the fact that the world owes us something 
and that we want to and will call in that debt. This is our strongest ambition. Hmm, I wonder what that means. Such delusional tub-thumping could be more easily dismissed in a less tumultuous time and place. But war, involving disputes over treaty-enshrined borders and national minorities no less, rages immediately to the east. And Orban, who is Vladimir Putin's closest friend among leaders of NATO countries, senses opportunity amidst the danger. Quote, We must be emotionally and financially ready to accept the Hungarian people and or the Hungarian territory inside Ukraine. Chaba Belenesi, Orban's friend and former handpicked head of the Hungarian news agency MTI, wrote in March, The fact is that Transcarpathian Hungarians are not in a good place. One might say persecuted in Ukraine. This is dangerous stuff at a time of rising tensions and diplomatic antipathy between the two countries. The Ukrainian government isn't the only mad neighbor. The Croatian foreign ministry squawked in May after Orban said in an interview that Hungary would have a seaport if it hadn't been taken from us. This is a reference to Trianon's reallocation of the now Croatian port town of Rijeka. Romanian President Klaus Ioannis uh, last week said that it is wrong and inadmissible in principle for a high European dignitary to deliver a speech on the public scene built on the race theory that led to the most terrible catastrophe of the 20th century, adding that the fact that this happened in Transylvania is a problem for us. Orban's irredentist flirtations at a time of European instability remain of little expressed concern to his American fan base, who prefer to luxuriate in his apocalyptic clash of civilizations vision about how, as he said in Transylvania, this is the great historic battle that we are fighting, demography, migration, and gender. Part of that gender component, by the way, is... In this corner of the world, there will never be a majority in favor of the Western lunacy, which Orban defined as not only same-sex marriage, but also such couples' right to adopt children. The American conservative's Rod Dreher, having previously proclaimed Orban the leader of the West now, read the same words that alarmed so many other people and declared, Extraordinary speech by Hungarian PM shows why he is a Thatcher figure to a future Ronald Reagan. Apparently, it's only the champion of so-called illiberal democracy who seems to fully share Dreher's prophetic understanding that, quote, liberal Westerners are so full of self-hatred, they are talking themselves into their surrender and annihilation. Rod's having a normal one. A funny thing about those latter two words, annihilation is what has been happening the past five-plus months to Ukrainian civilians at the business end of Russian bombs. And surrender is what Orban advises that they do to their desire to have a security guarantee. Or rather, what he recommends Americans to negotiate directly with Russians after Republicans hopefully retake the White House in 2024. There's nothing wrong with having a different view on how the transatlantic alliance should approach the Russia-Ukraine war, and there's something genuinely heartening about conservatives like Dreher and so many of Orban's Republican fans who were once gung-ho about invading Iraq, now counseling American restraint. But in lashing their mass to a small country nationalist, domestic philomajars are cheering on some unseemly Russia apologia and America blaming. For example... Orban claimed in a speech that with the advent of fracking in the U.S., 
America made no secret of the fact that it would use energy as a foreign policy weapon. The fact that others are being accused, others meaning Russia, of this should not deceive us. And also, Americans are able to impose their will because they are not dependent on energy from others. They are able to exert hostile pressure because they control the financial networks, end quote. Are these the words of the leader of the West? In one remarkable package to those who have followed Viktor Orban's career, the same politician who, as a young man in 1989, became famous for chanting, Russians go home, in front of Communist Party headquarters, is now casting aspersions on Washington's role during the Cold War. Another long quote here. Historically, the Americans have had the ability to pick out what they identify as an evil empire and to call on the world to stand on the right side of history, a phrase which bothers us a little as this is what the communists always said. This ability that the Americans used to have of getting everyone on the right side of the world and of history and then the world obeying them is something which has now disappeared. It may well be that this war will be the one that demonstrably puts an end to that form of Western ascendancy, which has been able to employ various means to create world unity against certain actors on a particular chosen issue, end quote. Is this really the new Thatcher to our purely mythical at this point, Reagan 2.0? Orban states as fact that the reason for Russia's invasion of Ukraine was NATO's unwillingness to guarantee in treaty form that Ukraine would never be a member. The consequence of this refusal is that today the Russians are seeking to achieve by force of arms the security demands that they had previously sought to achieve through negotiation, he said, adding... I have to say that this war would never have broken out if we had been a little luckier, and at this crucial hour, the president of the United States of America was called Donald Trump. That there are other reasons, plus a track record of Russian military aggression in its near abroad, predating even the idea of NATO expansion, does not cloud the simplicity of Orban's view. In his bottomless defenses of his hero's excesses, Dreher has repeatedly made the point that, quote, Hungarians are way more sensitive to preserving their identity among the nations because there are so few of them, end quote. Quite so. It's a key reason why no self-respecting American should aspire to Hungarian-style nationalism, which is verbatim the headline I put on a piece last year. Also, Dreher is the name of the delicious Hungarian beer that we used to drink by the case. The difference is that Dreher believes apocalyptically that Hungarians are threatened with extinction of their identity through assimilation or some other means, and that somehow the United States is too. I know our Magyar friends are good at geometry, but that's one application of the transitive property of equality too far. Whatever ails America will not be fixed by aping irredentist Putin enablers obsessed with books about dusky hordes. Now, that's how the first piece ends. That last sentence which contains a delicious goulash-style hyperlink, refers to a thing I didn't explicitly mention in this article, which is that Orban in his speech gave a hearty recommendation to a foul, explicitly racist 1973 French novel by the reactionary Catholic Jean Raspal entitled The Camp of the Saints, in which Western Europe is overrun by disgusting pansexual hordes of rapey, dark-skinned Indians. Kathy Young put uh, this best in a bulwark piece late last month when she wrote, 
In Raspal's dystopia, England is brought to its knees when the queen is forced to marry her younger son to a Pakistani woman. In the real-life England of 2022, the queen's younger grandson is married of his own free will to a woman of mixed race, and the top contenders for conservative party leadership and the prime ministership include Rishi Sunak, the son of Punjabi Hindu immigrants. This is the book of which Orban said in his Transylvania speech, I recommend it to anyone who wants to understand the spiritual developments underlying the West's inability to defend itself. Thank you, but no thank you on the book wreck, Victor. Okay, moving on to the post-right of uh, Orban's CPAC speech. Before I start, the requisite uh, Central European throat clear. I lived in Budapest from 95 to 97, which was right after Viktor Orban made his famous turn from liberalism to nationalism, uh, while a party called the Free Democrats, formed by mostly Jewish Hungarians who had uh, fled his Fidesz party after he turned it anti-cosmopolitan, had entered into a coalition government with the reformed but still named Hungarian Socialist Party. Orban's Fidesz drove out that coalition in the 1998 election, then lost in 2002. He finally came back to power and has stayed there since 2010. I will also mention that I met my wife in Hungary, where she did her college dissertation on Fidesz, interviewing all of these characters way back in the day. Okay, onward. In his triumphant speech Thursday at the Conservative Political Action Conference in Dallas, Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban played one of the oldest and most morally grotesque rhetorical cards in the Central European diplomatic playbook, comparing the domestic political opponents of his audience with the totalitarian murderers who once subjugated his homeland. The Hungarians defeated communism, which was forced on us by Soviet troops and arms. It took a while. We began our fight in 1956 and won in 1990. But we did it, Europe's longest-serving prime minister said. But communists are tough to beat. They rose from their ashes, came together with the liberals, and come back all around the world stronger than ever. If somebody has doubts whether progressive liberals and communists are the same, just ask us Hungarians. We fought them both, and I can tell you, they are the same. The claim that communists have come back stronger than ever would surely be news to the three dozen or so modern-day countries whose population in 1988 were still under the iron boot. Only in China, Vietnam, Laos, and Cuba have communist parties retained their monopoly on power. One could perhaps make the argument that current and former communists, after allowing for quasi-capitalistic economic activity, now have more internal strength and financial resources in China and post-Soviet Russia than they did in 1990. But that's not an argument that Orban, the best friend that both Moscow and Beijing have within the European and NATO, is eager to make. The conflation of contemporary Western lefties with former East Bloc totalitarians, which is a favorite dinner party trick of such perennially overrated post-communist politicians as former Czech President Václav Klaus, serves the dual purpose of flattering American conservatives that their parochial political concerns about, say, gay marriage are imbued with internationally heroic heft while diverting attention away from the less seemly and less traditionally conservative record of the speaker. Addressing a CPAC audience, Orban made sure to shout out the conference's patron saint. We know what we have Ronald Reagan to thank for. That's a considerably different song than he was singing two weeks prior in front of an audience of ethnic Hungarians in the Transylvanian region of neighboring Romania. There, in a speech that generated controversy for other reasons, the Hungarian actually compared Reagan to communists. 
Historically, the Americans have had the ability to pick out what they identify as an evil empire and to call on the world to stand on the right side of history, a phrase which bothers us a little as this is what the communists always said. It is Orban's flirtations with regional instability that seem the oddest fit with American Republicans. The prime minister, who has drawn rebukes this year from the governments of several bordering countries for expressing unrequited dissatisfaction with the post-World War I map-drawing Treaty of Trianon, launched his CPAC remarks by saying, We are a nation of 15 million in the heart of Europe with a unique language. The main problem with that last sentence is that Hungary has only 10 million inhabitants. Trianon lamenting nationalists, however, have been using the 15 million formulation for decades to agitate for restoring some of the lost Greater Hungary. Such language was greeted with understandable regional alarm after the end of the Cold War, prompting NATO to insist on the permanent settlement of border disputes as a precondition for the first formerly communist entrance to join. Orban and his allies have been increasingly brazen since the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which borders Hungary and houses a restive Hungarian minority who are allowed to vote in Hungarian elections. In his Transylvania speech, Orban thundered that the motherland must stand together and Transylvania and the other areas in the Carpathian Basin inhabited by Hungarians must stand together, and that the world owes us something and that we want to and will call in that debt. This is our strongest ambition. The Hungarians' calls, repeated in Texas on Thursday, for the Ukrainian war to end via a settlement negotiated directly between Russia and the United States, preferably with the Republican president after 2024, are seen by Kiev as a possible stalking horse for a land grab. Quote, The way the official Hungarian leadership is treating Ukraine lately is worse than even that of some of the Russian satellite states from the former Soviet Union. Ukrainian Deputy Prime Minister Irina Vereshchuk complained on Facebook in March. Why, she continued, is that because they want Russian gas with a discount? Or maybe that is because they silently dream of our Transcarpathia. Not helping to calm inflamed regional nerves was Orban's bizarre and historically illiterate claims Thursday that, quote, a Christian politician cannot be racist that the most evil things in modern history were carried out by people who hated Christianity, and that the horrors of Nazism and communism happened because some Western states in continental Europe abandoned their Christian values, and today's progressives are planning to do the same. End quote. It's not just Americans who should know damn well that the despicable ranks of openly racist politicians in our lifetimes has most definitely included Christians. Hungary, during the tail end of the World War II, was ruled by the notorious Jew-murdering Arrow Cross Party, founded by the Catholic Ferenc Salashi, who served a dual role during that reign of terror as prime minister and minister of religion and education. Salashi reportedly said once that religion was transmitted directly into him through his mother's breast milk. The whole of Central Europe during those hellish years was a hotbed for a foul tendency that has its own terminology, clerico-fascism. This history is very well known to Viktor Orban, given how many times his government has been accused, including by one of his longtime advisors as recently as last month, of playing footsie with anti-Semitic tropes and rehabilitating dubious wartime Hungarian leaders. Many a political audience no doubt loves to hear that they are not bigoted, that anyone accusing them of such must come from, in Orban's cloyingly Trumpist formulation, the Industrial Fake News Corporation, that their cause is wholly unjust, that their opponents are actual enemies and on the wrong side of a civilizational war. 
Such is the nature of the systematic organization of hatreds in Henry Adams' classic phrase. Unfortunately for the rest of us and the rest of the world, hatreds are not always containable within the box of peaceful political competition, particularly at a time of a sovereignty-challenging war in Europe. Viktor Orban no doubt won over some American conservative sympathy for whatever future project he has in mind for 15 million ethnic Hungarians. We shall now see how seriously the next Republican president takes the current European map. Thank you for listening, y'all.